I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Friday. We got a new champion in the NBA. Lakers go down hard to the Suns. But maybe more important, at least to me, this could have been my greatest handicap ever that did not cash last night. We'll get into it. Phoenix Suns advancing. They are big favorites over the Nuggets. Minus 240, which means a 70% chance, Vegas says, for the Suns to advance. Tonight, another L.A. team, the Clippers, face elimination. They are favored, though, on the road by two and a half at Dallas. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. the Vegas Strip. Here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a Friday, live on 225 FSR stations. Christ is great nation. Big day. We've got a new NBA champion will be crowned this year. Lakers go down. We're going to get all into it. I think this might be, as I said in the headlines, my greatest handicap that lost it is a tragedy, but I might have one of my hottest takes of the year. But when I give hot takes, it's cold cash over hot takes. I would bet this one, but it's going to come out kind of hot. Sports bettors, listen for the money. Sports fans, listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which one fan base is mourning the loss of a season, you've got another fan base in the same city trying to stave off elimination later on tonight. What is the Vegas lead here on this Friday? Let's start with the Lakers. And amongst those topics, I'm going to start with AD. And my hot take is associated. So... Uh, you know, as you do your little, uh, as you do your wonderful intro, maybe we can talk about AD. Yeah, and it was Anthony Davis who tried to give it a go. There was some question as to whether or not he was going to be available, dealing with the groin injury that he suffered in Game 5, but unfortunately, or excuse me, in Game uh, uh, 4, rather, but fortunately he came out, tried to give it a go last night, went for a couple of minutes, and it was obvious it just wasn't going to be anywhere close to 100%. Anthony Davis sits the rest of the game, and the Lakers go on to lose 113-100 to the final. Phoenix moves on to the next round. You may not know this, Jonas, but some would say I'm a cynic. Some would say I'm skeptical. <laughs> so let me ask you, the a, a man who isn't quite as cynical, do you feel like AD genuinely felt like he could give it a go? Or did this feel like, hey, I'm going to let it be known, you know, 15, 20 minutes before the game. I'm going to try against all rational thought, against all doctor's orders, and I'm going to go out there and then soon enough, I'm just going to kind of limp to the sideline and shrug like, I, I could, who could do more? Who could do more? And then disappear into the tunnel. It, to me, it felt like that 
What did it feel like to you? Yeah, I think he uh, I think he had to go out there and at least show that he was going to try and give it a go, that he wasn't going to be, you know, quote-unquote street clothes as Charles Barkley <laughs> dubbed him. Um, so he had to go out there. Um, but it was obvious from the, from the get-go. He, I mean, he probably shouldn't have been out there. He, he wasn't able to do anything uh, close to, to what he's normally capable of doing. And so I think, you know, it, a lot of it was to show everybody – I'm giving my all. I'm doing everything I can. But this isn't just me milking this thing. This is a legitimate injury, and I can't play with it. Couldn't you make the case that anything that he discovered on the court during the game could have easily been discovered in warm-ups? Yeah, 100%. So to even entertain – because what was the psychological effects on the Lakers – because if they knew, hey, there's no way he's going to go, he's going to go out there and act like he's going to try for a minute or two, that had to be – if that were the case, I don't know it was, but if it were, we would say, okay, that's a distraction. Now, imagine, though, that the other players thought, hey, he's going to play. Now they get their excitement up, and lo and behold, when he doesn't, there's a you know, downward energy push. Doesn't – is there any scenario – if AD knew he couldn't go, that him trying didn't hurt the Lakers. Not to mention the time on the floor that he was, you know, less than what the other, what the person who would have replaced him would have been. So in every way, this hurt the Lakers. Agree or not? Yeah, I mean, I just think that I don't know if it hurt them from a all of a sudden they lost their, you know, uh, some mojo because Anthony Davis went out. I, I think they probably could tell even in pregame warmups that he wasn't close to a hundred percent and he was going to try and give it a go, but it was, he couldn't, couldn't get up and down the floor without it being obvious to everybody that this was a serious issue. Yeah. So if it was obvious and you know, I'll let it go, but if it was obvious, that means that they knew it. And thus what was the charade about? And you know, if you're trying to win a game, how does a charade help? I'm RJ Bell straight out of Vegas, but that's not my hot take. Here's my hot take. And actually, we have a guy in the forums. He does a lot of good stuff for pregame.com. Sleepy J uncovered something very interesting here. There was only three games this season that AD played 42 minutes or more. 42 minutes or more, which is obviously a lot of minutes out of a 48-minute game. And overtime sometimes, obviously. And the first time that AD played over 42 minutes it was in february and it was against the detroit pistons can't really understand that one and after that he missed two games so first time he goes over 42 minutes he misses two games the next two games after then literally right after that he played two games and then he was out for that long 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 stretch So was it connected? Because if you miss two games and you play two and then you're out for months, I don't know. Even if it wasn't the exact same injury, it feels like all hobbled by one. Okay. So now one for one that, hey, you play over that extreme number of minutes, uh, the consequences are significant. Now, late in the year, one of the last games of the season, he played over 42 minutes against the Knicks. Okay, and at this point, you know, I know they had a chance to the Lakers to get out of the play in, but it wasn't a great chance. And he misses the next game after that. 
So now we've got two times where he plays that much and he misses the next game. Now, the last time he did it was against Golden State in the playing game. Played over 42 minutes. And what we saw was what we saw in the playoffs, right? Which was a guy who seemed to be a little off to start with and obviously got worse. I wonder, could the case be made that when you see that, hey, him playing a lot of minutes is a problem, why play that many against the Knicks in a game doesn't mean very much, right? A few, not a futile chance, but a, a low percentage chance to get out of the playing at that point. And then against Golden State, you might say, RJ, that was a you know borderline must-win game. If they lose that, they could have lost the next one. But here's the question. Were the Lakers trying to avoid embarrassment of losing the playing game, or were they trying to win a title? If you were trying to win a title, don't you take a chance in the playing game that maybe AD playing 36 is going to be enough? And if somehow, some way you lose that game because of the difference between 36 and 43, eh, yeah, then you got to win one more. And if you lose that one, you're out anyway. Well, they're out now. It felt like they were acting like that, that, that winning that playing game was somehow so important. But was it? Meaning that if your chance increased by a few percentage points because you played AD those extra six or seven minutes, how did that really affect, though, their chance to win a title if history tells you when he plays that many minutes? And again, it's a small sample, but Lordy B, he was, I mean, we know they were trying to limit his minutes. So why play him so many and then have short rest and, and literally go into the playoffs in which he didn't seem right the whole time? It feels like they were trying to avoid embarrassment, the Lakers, instead of max their chance at a title. And I'd say, hey, chances are they weren't going to win a title anyway. But still, mathematically, it felt like they hurt their chances to not or to decrease their chances of being embarrassed. How does that sit with you? Yeah, and it almost felt like that game against the Warriors was, in, in essence, their championship. Like, they, they could not lose on their home floor to Golden State, especially with LeBron's history with uh, with Steph Curry and company. And, and they didn't realize that, look, because you were the seven seed going into that, you had some wiggle room. You could lose that game, set up a, a healthier, better matchup with Memphis uh, uh, the next time through. And, and next thing you know, you've got Utah in the first round. And I don't know what the big difference is between Utah and Phoenix, but it just feels like maybe they, they gunned it to win that one game for whatever the purposes were and, and just weren't the same afterwards. I think you made a great point, even better than mine on top of it, which is it wasn't just an embarrassment if they had lost that because maybe that wasn't even what it would have been. It, But it was you know the most watched game on ESPN for yeah. two years, I think the stat was. So yeah. it was a marquee game, and they wanted to make a statement, ego-driven. And I'm not saying don't play AD in that game. I'm saying play him 36 instead of 43. That, that's uh, How much difference is that seven minutes going to make? Some, yeah. But it felt like a short-sighted decision. All right, let me ask you this. And you're not a hot take guy. But a lot of people, and Mackenzie's going to actually have a take on this too, but I want to get Joan a little sober <laughs> take first, is LeBron 
look like at various points he wasn't trying very hard. What do yeah. you say to that, Jonas? No, I uh, totally agree. Uh, there were times where he didn't close out on defense uh, late in the game. He was just walking up the floor on that final dunk by uh, Devin Booker, I think it was. Um, I, 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 He seemed like a guy after the game that seemed almost relieved that he could get a little bit of a break and that it was all over with. That's the way I took it. Yeah, and, and I think that speaks more towards not really lamenting uh, this loss because even if somehow they got lucky and beat the Suns, he didn't. You know, it feels like he didn't think they had it to go all the way, which yeah, obviously they didn't. You know, something I've actually decided. I'm looking at McKenzie's notes on this. I'm going to imitate McKenzie, <laughs> which is going to be better than what he would have done. And McKenzie, be honest about this. So here's what he's saying. <clears throat> I've heard LeBron does everything, and I've always responded. LeBron does everything that can get him a stat. Playing man-to-man defense, setting screens. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. He's a selfish player, and his greatest trick was realizing most people or how much people think assists are something inherently selfish, if not magnanimous, period. (laughs) How was that, McKenzie? That was excellent. That was the best I've ever done. So you're mad at LeBron. No, I just think he's overrated, and I think he does everything that people want to see from a stats perspective, but not everything that we want to see from players that win championships. You mean like man-to-man defense setting screens? Exactly. Okay, but what about assists? Running, running. What about, what, but aren't assists inherently selfless? No, they're not. Okay. Taking the best shot for the team to have the best percentage to make points is selfless. Making assists where you give it to a guy in the corner with two seconds left, and if he makes it, you get an assist. If he misses it, it doesn't really hit you at all and from a statistical perspective. <laughs> that's, that's really selfish. That's really selfish. That's the epitome of selfishness to give a guy, to throw it to George Hill with two seconds to go with no time left and say, hey, if you make it, I'm a hero. I gave you an assist. If you miss the free throw, well, it was your fault. It wasn't a free throw, but okay. <laughs> Is Get a bag right now. Breathe into it. A little brown paper bag. I, that was pre- I got to be honest with you. That was pretty good, I thought, for McKenzie. What do you think, Jonas? <laughs> well, it sounded like you've been holding on to that for a while. Because I was thinking to myself, is George Hill a member of the Lakers? And then I just thought back. No, that, that's, that's from uh, a few years ago with the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I mean, does some of this, we've talked about this with Fezzik, where he'll hold on to grudges uh, when he loses a bet because he, uh, something happens. Is some of this because LeBron either screwed you out of a bet or you had money on LeBron at some point and he did something egregious like not suit up right before tip off and maybe that's why some of this anger is being held on to McKenzie I just feel like it's me against the world like I look at my own eyes <laughs> yeah. and he's like the eighth best player in the world and I've heard for 15 years that he's the greatest thing we've ever seen I don't believe it I don't get it okay but I'm confused because yesterday you had him ranked what was it 15th in the league Yes, and you asked, with, you asked me, what with did this current injuries. LeBron... Yeah, so yeah. what I'm saying is that seemed, like, shockingly high, and but you but you dislike LeBron. I but think he's overrated, yeah. But you had him overrated by saying 15th best with his hobbled ankle. You know, did, what, it, you, yeah. you know what it is, Jonas? <laughs> Thanks, Mackenzie. You know what it is, is he's a contrarian. I mean, remember, this guy's 31, so he's right in the LeBron. He should be hero-worshiping LeBron, right? Because LeBron came on the scene when he was, what, 13, right? If you do the math. So it's like that's going to be like the chosen one, the next one. 
and because all his friends, let me guess, most of your friends growing up in Chicago love LeBron. Oh, they just worship the guy. See? And no matter what, he's going the other way. Uh, so I, I mean, you got to appreciate though his, uh, you know, him paying homage to to the greats from the past, being you know refusing to be held hostage by today's generation. That he, you know, he still thinks of uh, the NBA from previous eras as better than than the current one. I mean, well, I don't. <laughs> I don't know about the better part, but I will say this, and maybe this makes me seem too old school, but all joking aside, I was there. Michael Jordan wouldn't have, uh, you know, been playing without full energy in an elimination game. I mean, again, he never faced elimination games. Like his last what? Uh, well, I guess. Well, I guess with Washington, it was different. You know, he didn't make the playoffs when he was like 40 and still played 82 games his last year. But I mean, really. The question you got to ask yourself or that I asked Jonas is, how do you look at a guy who doesn't play hard in an elimination game the whole game? Like if, if you're so fatigued, then, then, then sit down and get, go out of the game. But I mean, it, it feels like that's nothing except to say, hey, everybody, I've tr- I'm so frustrated. You know me. I'm LeBron. I'm the king. And if the king isn't trying hard, there must be a reason. And you all don't know basketball the way I do. So I'm going to tell you through my grimaces and my lack of effort that something's fundamentally wrong and it ain't got nothing to do with LeBron. Isn't that the message? Yeah. And, and look, people, people can be the biggest LeBron fans in the world. He's been guilty of that throughout the course of his career, whether it's walking off the floor early. The Mavs, uh, not, the yeah, last Mavs game. 100%. Not, not shaking hands. The J.R. Smith play at the end of that game one series against – Golden State where LeBron, maybe one of his best performances ever. J.R. Smith had a had a, a mental air, a brain fart, and LeBron sitting on the sidelines basically pouting because of what happened. Last night, towards the end of the game, he was sitting at the end of the bench away from everybody. So he is guilty of at least outwardly expressing that he's unhappy with what's around him in sort of a passive-aggressive way. I mean, he, at the very least. And you know what? I could imagine Michael Jordan in 1989 or 1990, so before he won his first title when the Pistons were beating him up, I could imagine him doing something like that when he was, what, tw- you know, 25, 26, yeah. tw- and it, he could have decided, I mean, by – Accounts that you know, I understand, Collins, he is the one that got him shoved out the door, though they were friends and you know, he didn't think he was the right guy to win. And he acquiesced to, not that he loved the Phil Jackson idea from what they say, but he was okay with it. And you know what? You got to wonder how different would Michael have been if he didn't allow a coach that could dictate to him, that, that would coach him hard when appropriate. Because what we know about LeBron is he, for how long has he decided his teammates and he's decided his coach? And to me, when you look at the four titles and you say, hey, that's pretty good. But when you look at the years played and the dominance through many of those years, you'd have to say, and tell me if you agree, that four has fallen short of what you would – if someone told you, here's the career this guy's going to have from 18 to 36, and here's the number of finals made, here's his stats – 
if you would over under guess the number of titles, it's more than four, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't even think you need to look at his entire career. Just look at how many appearances he's had there, and 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 how many times they've come up short. And he's if if he's going to be a, a part of the credit when they win those titles, he's got to be part of the criticism when they lose them. And the question is, because some people will say, hey, if Joe Montana would have made two more Super Bowls and lost, would it have been worse? He would be a lesser quarterback if he made six and won four. No, I hear you. But the thing about LeBron was his talent is so massive, was so massive, is was, is he got to certain places without the last piece of the puzzle, the discipline of the coach or whatever else. And then it was always when they were on the cusp, it seemed like that made the difference. And maybe that's projection, but it does really seem like if you fall short more times than not in the finals and you pick your own coach and pick your own teammates – there's got to be some blame to go around. you got to wonder how often is he really pushing himself, not in the way he wants to. Because when he wants to push himself, look at his body. Look at his physical fitness generally. It's awesome. But when it's a way that he doesn't want to be pushed, LeBron, he doesn't seem open to that. Closing thoughts. Yeah, I just uh, – this will be an interesting offseason to see sort of how he bounces back because he's going to get – I mean, no gone are the, well, I don't have enough time to get ready for the season excuses. He's going to have full time to get ready. He's going to be fully healed, fully 100%. And I'm just curious to see what he looks like when next season tips off. Up next, we're going to talk about the Phoenix Suns, the next series. But more importantly, we're going to talk about my greatest handicap ever that didn't cash last night in a Laker game. He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a look at a great handicap that didn't even cash. Horrendous. It was a tragedy. Get the Supreme Court involved. It's a good day to join, though. You can get on my side with this. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audience has doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. You're doing it. You're spreading the word. And we're going to keep working extra hard to keep delivering for you. And, hey, the weekend's a great time to catch up. If you missed any shows, just go to your favorite pod player. Search for Straight Out of Vegas. There it is. Catch up over the weekend. Right here in Vegas on the Strip, the hottest day of the year, 109 degrees, but not in the air conditioning. The neon is, hmm, percolating. So, RJ, before we get to this uh, best bet that didn't cash, I want to let you know Straight Out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. Dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. It was the Lakers-Suns game, which was the subject of a best bet yesterday and a best bet involving Andre Drummond. Okay, so let me ask you something. It seems to me that you've lost a lot of bets in your life. Would you agree with that? Oh, I would say probably 85%. So you're an expert at this. <laughs> awful. All right. Absolutely so awful. yesterday I gave a best bet right here on the show. Not, not a pizza bet, a best bet on Drummond to score less than nine and a half points. Okay. What was my handicap? I said it was simple. 
There's multiple DFS, daily fantasy guys I respect, and more than one of them felt like that what they saw from the rotation meant that Drummond was getting uh, was going to get a lot less minutes, Gasol would get more minutes, and thus going under a number that didn't really account for that all that much was a great bet. Gave it out. Thousands of listeners, or 100-plus thousand listeners. Now, how many bet, I don't know, but it was a substantial number. Drummond scored zero points. How do you do better than scoring zero points? If you're going under, you don't, Jonas. But here's the tragedy. He played zero minutes. We were so right, so right about him being phased out of the rotation that they didn't even let him play a minute. And you know what? He's the only player, Drummond, on the entire Laker team that dressed who didn't play. AD played, but <laughs> Drummond did it. And if you bet an over, under, and points and it don't play, it's a push. So we didn't lose. But how could you be so right? <laughs> Literally zero. I mean, if he would have just went and touched the floor when they put, I mean, I don't understand. A, a defensive substitution uh, and then pulled out immediately afterwards. But, but they, they emptied the bench in the last minute. But they said, you just stay there. You just stay there. I mean, Lucas got in the game on the with Lucas. <laughs> Think about it. Rudy got in the game. And Drummond, who was promised to start, that was why he came to the Lakers, and we don't cash. I, I think, he, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think even Jared Dudley got in the game. Everybody, Jonas, if you look at the box score, there's one player that says DMP, Drummond. I mean, one that's player. Just... So, so <laughs> i, I got to be honest with you. I've been betting pretty much every day since I was 14 years old. That's the truth. I don't think there's been a more egregious loss, meaning you can have a situation where you're – think about it – where you're up seven, you're getting three, there's a pick six, and then there's a fumble. But you could only make – you know, on the kickoff, and then you lose, all right, or, and they return. Okay, whatever. All right, that can happen, no doubt about it. But you were only up by two scores at that point, so it's a horrible beat. But to handicap a game in which if he doesn't get on the floor, how does he score where you can't lose, but because he doesn't get on the floor for one minute, you don't cash. I don't think I've ever seen such a great handicap in all these years not cash. Yeah, it, it's also the the fact that he was one of their big acquisitions oh. in, during the season and the final game of the year when Jared Dudley's getting a minute on the floor and, and Andre Drummond is a DNP is a pretty bad look. What odds would you have given me, all joking aside, if I said... I'm, you know, and if there was no sense that I had inside information, so if some some person off the street said, "I bet Drummond doesn't play," you would have said, you know, if there was no injury, which there wasn't, as far as I understood, is I would have said three hundred to one, four hundred. I mean, oh yeah, easy, far less than one percent. Right? I mean, e- the, easy. I don't think there was an Mackenzie. Look it up. Was there another game this year for the with the Lakers that Drummond didn't play that he suited up? So, all right. I mean, and and furthermore, if you would have told me and Anthony Davis is going to go out after playing five minutes and Andre Drummond is still not going to get in the game, I would have given you 300 to 1. It doesn't even <laughs> so, make sense. So, so really what all the people who bet it has to ask themselves is, it would it have been better to cash the one bet 
or now you get a story. 20 years from now, you can tell them this story. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Jonas, I thought you had a real insightful point as we shift to the Suns that this not only advances the Suns, but the confidence level for the Suns much improved, I would think, from this uh, series win. Yeah, because no matter how you slice it, Phoenix, you looked at, I mean, they were the defending champs. You were facing the defending champs. It was LeBron James. I mean, we've talked about it throughout the course of the season. I mean, it was, I mean, how many weeks were they not the favorite to win the NBA title? I mean, they spent majority of the time as as a favorite or at least one of the top two or three. Well, yeah, that's that's the key is once LeBron got hurt and AD got hurt, they uh, went behind the nets, but they were one or two the entire season. Yeah, and to see them not only win this series, but to do so after going down in the series, after winning the first game, and then doing it in dominating fashion the final two games, they've got to be feeling good about themselves being able to close them out on their own floor. And then I think it was, what, seven seasons since the Suns, I think, have made the playoffs. So it's not just a uh, big win against defending champs in LeBron, but it was the first time... Any of these players pretty much except or any of the key players, I think, except Paul, have ever been in the playoffs. So to start your playoff career by beating the defending champs, beating LeBron, there's nothing that's going to buoy your confidence more than that. Uh, If you look at Booker, 22 points in the first quarter. And uh, according to ESPN Stats and Info, it's the most playoff first quarter points in over a quarter century. And uh, but. It ties Michael Porter Jr., who did it just a few hours before. So there had been 25 years in which it wasn't 22 points in the first quarter, and then it happened twice in a couple hours. Unbelievable. McKenzie found a pretty interesting stat here. So players age 24 or younger, because this really does feel like a changing of the guard. And especially, and we'll get to it here in a little bit, this Clippers game, if the Mavs win – Tonight and eliminate the Clippers. It's a you got Utah, a young team. You got Phoenix, a young team, and then obviously Denver with Jokic, young. And if uh, you add Dallas in, young. And then New uh, Brooklyn, obviously not so much. Philly, pretty young. Uh, Milwaukee. I mean, Giannis feels older, but come on, he's really not. I mean, th- like this is a young man's playoffs for sure which kind of makes sense because the bubble and the short rest i think it does but i don't know if there's any way to explain this so if you look at those age 24 younger this first round only it's the sixth time booker was in which a player 24 younger had 40 plus points 40 or more points if you go back to last year in the bubble in the playoffs, there were nine times 24 younger scored 40 or more. So now five rounds of the playoffs, right? So four last year and this year is one more. You've had literally uh, six plus nine, 15 different instances of an extra young player scoring 40 or more. This is a young man's league at this point, at least this year is. What do you think? 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. It was also – it kind of reminds me of when these younger quarterbacks started taking over in the NFL. There was a thought, you know, a few years ago that you had Roethlisberger getting older, uh, Rodgers, Brady, Eli Manning, et cetera, et cetera. And now a lot of the quarterbacks that make up the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL are all guys that are younger in their prime and, and looking for big contracts. You know, when we hit June, we'll have a chance to debate that one because <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I, if you – I mean, just – second you look at Josh Allen and he has one year and I, it was a hell of a year he has one year and my question is understanding Mahomes is Mahomes who else is who else do we put on this list of like let me ask you this just quick question in fact this is what we'll do I'm going to ask you this question and here it is first the question is which quarterbacks that are young would you be willing to make a major bet on that in five years they're going to be an elite top ten quarterback? Meaning, not obviously we can say, oh, Deshaun Watson was good last year, but who do you think really has staying power? And we're going to see who's on your young quarterbacks list. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker. For 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday. So do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. Jonas, we didn't have any buckle up today? Oh, no, we did it earlier. I didn't hear it. Yeah, it was uh, it was earlier, and then uh, we've got another one coming up later on. So. Oh, we do. Okay, yeah. so I might, I'm going to get my question answered. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I don't know if we'll have time because it'll I, be towards the end of the show. I think we will. So we'll take our break right now. Oh, no, we got to get your answer real quick. Who's on that list? All right, so young quarterbacks, I think, are going to be elite in five years. Yeah, um, staying I will power. go uh, Josh Allen. Okay, one um, year. Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson. Oh, oh come uh, on. Deshaun Watson. Uh-huh. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. The, is that the penal league? Well, I mean, this is, you know, this is if he comes back. Okay. I mean, and, and everything's fine, and it, this all gets sorted out. Uh, obviously, Mahomes, I think Justin Herbert is going to be on that oh list. Oh, my God. How um, about two? Just throw two in there. No, but I, and then also and then also uh, Sam Darnold as well. Sam. So I got to go. go Sam Darnold. I don't know uh, when you started joshing, but that, was, that, that did it. All right, when we come back, we're going to have the Clippers, Mavs, and I'm giving you a best bet. A best bet for the weekend. And we're going to find out, should you always buckle up or are there times not to buckle up? He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Uh, Coming up, R.J., we will be getting into the Clippers-Mavs preview for tonight. But we do want to let you know there's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. Law enforcement are writing tickets, so why take the risk? Do the smart thing and start buckling up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket paid for by NHTSA. Jonas, query. So 
I was thinking, imagine if you're in the passenger seat and you have an original copy of the Declaration of Independence and the windows are down <laughs> and, the, and you lose it. It leaves your hands and it starts whipping around in the back seat. What do you do? I mean, hey, we're going to have to rewrite history then because you got you to stay buckled up. I don't know. I Those don't know. All right. All right. I don't know, though. Let's go to the Clippers, though. And uh, the Clippers <laughs> find themselves on the brink of elimination down three games to do two in their series with the Dallas Mavericks and the Clippers on the road, a two and a half point favorite later on tonight on pregame.com. This is so curious. The following. Check this out. The odds for the Clippers to win the title are 10 to 1. The odds for the Mavs to win the title are 25 to 1. The Mavs are up three games to two in this series. And if you think about it, uh, it, all you got to do is look at the series price. Dallas is minus 160 to win the series. So it goes to show you, even if Dallas wins, the Clippers were considered to be, and if they won, so much better that literally how much they would be favored by more in the next three rounds to win the title, if it happened, would make them pay uh, less than half at 10 to 1 with the Clipper, uh, the Clippers as what the Mavs are paying at 25 to 1. I don't think I've ever quite seen a series seemingly being so in one team's direction and the other team having such better uh, title odds. It's just really shocking. I'm going to go with a lean. Now, I got a best bet on the weekend, but I'm going to go with a lean Jonas on the Clippers. They are favored, as you said, by two and a half. And here's the rationale is – I felt like Kawhi, especially, got to the hoop, got to the rim pretty effectively last game. He just missed some shots. But Kawhi missing shots up close isn't going to be a long, you know, in theory, not a long-term problem. If they would have been settling for jumpers, if he had lacked energy, looked injured. But I think the game five was a little bit deceiving. And because of that, I'm going to back. And obviously, we got a history here of the road team winning uh, the first five. So I'm going to go with a lean on the Clippers minus two and a half. Yeah, and I also think just if you watch that game and you and you pointed it out, it a little bit of fool's gold just from the standpoint. It's not like the Clippers defensively played bad. They actually played pretty good. Luca, it, it took him a lot of shots to get the point total that he got up. They just couldn't hit a shot themselves on offense. And I just don't know if that's something that, that is just going to carry over to the next game. And I, I agree with you. I, I feel like of all the first four games that – even though the Mavs were shooting really well in the first two, it felt kind of earned in a way. Yeah. This one felt like it was, as they say, a make or miss league and that the making and missing, which is random uh, oftentimes, really benefited the, the Mavs. And it was the only game of the series I felt like that was the case. Mackenzie, would you agree with that, that that felt like the result that was maybe the most askew from the way the game was played, uh, the most recent one? Yes, I would agree with that. All right, excellent. All right, that's Mackenzie Rivers, everyone. All right, one other thing. Luca over under 31.5 points, so he's expected to score a lot. But Porzingis over under 15.5. I would have a pretty good lean on the under there. He did not play. He hit that shot late but did not play well at all. And real quick before we get to my best bet, we had mentioned that the Suns are minus 240 over the Nuggets plus 200. So that means the Suns are a 70% chance to advance 
chance. But we got the Milwaukee-Brooklyn. Jonas, set it up. I got a best bet on that one. Yeah, and it is uh, the uh, Nets, and it's the uh, excuse me, the Milwaukee Bucks. And we will be getting to that one second here. RJ having a little bit of an issue uh, getting this lineup here uh, on uh, pregame.com. So, oh no, problem. I have it here. It's oh. uh, it's uh, we've got uh, the uh, the Brooklyn Nets minus four coming up uh, hosting the Milwaukee Bucks in Game One of their series. Yes, and my best bet is in Game One, and I like the underdog Milwaukee. And this is real simple. This is about motivation. And the Nets are the type of team that needs a reason to play hard. And, hey, they're coming in as the favorite. They're the home team. I think you could see a little flatness from them. And I know Milwaukee has focused the entire year on the on winning in the playoffs in a way no other team has. So I am going to go with best bet, full best bet, Milwaukee plus four in game one. By the way, the Brooklyn is a small or about a minus 180 favorite in the series. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas. We'll take a closer look at what happened between the Suns and the Lakers. The Suns' chances moving on. The Dallas Mavericks, even if they win, their chances of moving on. And also a best bet on the Milwaukee-Brooklyn series for Game 1 coming up this weekend. We are back on Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. And as always, you can check out the show on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! 